On today's show, Disney has again raised prices at many of their properties recently, but what was the price of a Walt Disney World ticket when you were born? And Congress might be changing the HSA. How? We'll have that on today with special guest Danielle Kunkel-Roberts on today's Money with Friends. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast, coming to you live from outside Detroit, Michigan, in my mom's half-finished basement where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Saul Cihai. And coming to you from the great state of Texas here in Fort Worth, I am Danielle Kunkel-Roberts of Boomer Benefits. And this is the show where we go over not one, but two headlines ripped from the financial press. We don't just read them to you like some podcasts do. Oh no, Danielle and I will dive into these and talk about what they have to do with your wallet and hopefully help you make better money decisions in the future. As you can tell, we do this live, which is why I almost called them uh, the money decisions (laughs) today. Today's podcast is brought to you by Tiller, your financial life in a spreadsheet automatically updated every day. Only Tiller imports your daily spending, financial transactions, and account balances directly into Google Sheets and Microsoft Excel. You choose. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Tiller, T-I-L-L-E-R, for more. We're ready to go. Danielle, welcome back to the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and talk about this Disney World ticket that I uh, at one time went for pretty cheap, it appears. Uh, so how old were you? Well, we won't ask you that. We'll ask you what year. <laughs> what year did you go to Disney? It would have been 78, I believe. So I was almost five. I think I'm dating myself a little bit there, but uh, that was my big Disney World. And the main thing that I remember is Shamu. And I remember, which would not have been, I don't know if that's part of Disney World I was or SeaWorld with next door. Yeah, that would have been SeaWorld across the street, I think. Yeah. And I also remember uh, there was a ride where you go through it and the little ghosts appear of the seven dwarfs next to you. Oh. I don't know if they still have that ride, but that's all I remember from that, my exciting trip. The haunted- uh, If it was still the same price, I would go again. Absolutely. The Haunted Mansion. And we'll get into that. We got that. And we're going to talk about HSAs on today's show. So let's see which friend's kicking this off for us. This is Bethany from the Money Mill House. Just like hanging out and chatting about the news. That's why I tune in to Money and Friends. All right. Our first headline, as Danielle alluded to, uh, comes to us from CNBC. It's written by Jade Scipione. And uh, sorry, Jade, that took me just a second to pronounce your name. But Jade writes, on October 1st, 1971, when Walt Disney World Resort opened in Orlando, Florida, the price of one general admission ticket, get this, $3.00. And 50 cents a person adjusted for inflation. That ticket today would be about $21. The next year, Disney hiked its price by 25 cents to $3 and 75 cents. According to a new analysis from go banking rates, the personal finance website calculated how Disney world admission fees have changed from 71 to 2019 using data from all ears.net along with the Bureau of labor statistics, inflation calculator to determine the yearly rates adjusted for inflation prices remain flat at about $6 a ticket from 75 to 77, but they continue to increase in the years following as Disney added more attractions to the theme park. Uh, The admission prices calculated between 71 and 81, including sales tax, except for the years after uh, 1981. Today, more than 40 million people visit Disney World every year with ticket prices from, get this, $109 to $159 per person depending on the date that it's purchased for. So going through a few of these, Danielle, 
1971, when they opened $3.50. In today's dollars, that'd be almost $22. Bucks. Uh, going the first year that you went, you said $78. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was $6.50. They jacked up the price $0.50. Cents. By the way, uh, from the year before, that would be $25.54. I don't think I went to Disney. I might have gone in the 70s, but I know that we went in 86 the price then had gone up to $26 and the cost uh, by 2019 prices is 60 bucks. The price, by the way, and I just want to use the cost adjusted with inflation. So by 80, uh, 88, it was $62. It kind of flatlined around 62 bucks until we got to 1996 where it was $63 and 66 cents. Then ninety eight up to sixty six bucks, and then it broached seventy dollars in two thousand one. Uh, reached eighty dollars by two thousand five. Uh, was it ninety dollars in two thousand nine? Ninety three seventy five, and then uh, broke a hundred dollars in two thousand thirteen. Um, so, so some big price increases. By the way, those are all factoring inflation. That's not the price it really is. That'd be the price in today's dollars. What do you, what do you make of this, Danielle? I mean, we, we can we can talk a little bit about a million things with this article. Well, clearly we can see that inflation has an impact, but we also see that Disney World has made some magnificent changes over the years, and they call it the greatest place on earth for a reason. You're going to pay a pretty penny to go there and see what they have to offer. I I like this idea. Let's start off with your first point on inflation, because. A lot of people, when especially when they're calculating retirement, whether they're in retirement now or they're they're getting ready to go into retirement, or you see these people retiring at 28, 29, I don't think they're thinking about the fact that this ticket that's $3.50 today is going to cost a heck of a lot more tomorrow. Yeah, I do think people tend to leave that out. And so if you're somebody that's 20 and you're thinking to yourself, I need a million dollars to retire, you've got to know that a million dollars today is going to be so much less when you finally get to retirement age 45 years from now. So one of the obvious things that you would meet with the financial planner for to you know, reach out and find out what kind of inflation you can expect. And then, of course, when you look at entertainment things like this, there might be some choices you have to make about whether that can fit into your budget. If you didn't plan ahead and save more than you needed to. Yeah, that's true. If you thought that, you know, today, let's say a cost of, of Disney was going to be that 20, but you'd retired in 1971. You planned on a trip to Disney in 20 years that was with inflation, $3 and 50 cents, <laughs> probably not going to Disney. Yeah, I think you would just leave it out. And I wonder how many people find that out without realizing it. They might have these plans for retirement. One of them might be Disney World, and they might not even have looked at what the price of a ticket is. Uh, I haven't been to a, a park like this since I was a kid, and I was staggered to find out that it cost well over 100 bucks. But it's been a long time since I did something like that. And you have to know that over time, those things are not only inflating, but improvements are made, and you're paying taxes on things, and you don't know other things that might be affecting it as well. I think uh, there's something uh, we should talk about here with regard to your investing. If you're looking at long-term investments, a lot of people will put money in a savings account or maybe into low-risk bonds because they don't, you know, their risk tolerance isn't very high. 
The problem with that is you look at inflation over a long period of time, even if you're 65 years old today, a big problem I see people have, Danielle, is that they take all of their money that's for retirement years and they put it into something really safe because now that I'm retired, I don't want to take the risk that I took before. The problem Mm -hmm. is some of this money that you're not going to spend till 75, 80, 85 years old, you're keeping up with inflation is going to be very difficult in those investments. So leaving some money in stocks or real estate, which are the two big asset classes that historically have usually over long periods of time, uh, continued to kick inflation's butt. You got to leave some money there. I really think you do. And this is important because of the advent of all these higher interest savings accounts that you can get now. It's very tempting to go say, wow, I can get 2%. Well, I can leave this cash sitting here. I was just talking about this with my mom this weekend and saying that's okay for a small amount of money, but that money is sitting there earning 2% obviously is not going to keep up with inflation. So you've got to still have some of your eggs in that growth basket. You can look at stocks that maybe are a little more steady or you can invest in a mutual fund something like Vanguard or a Fidelity fund that you don't have to do a lot of stock picking on, but that is still going to hopefully have returns at least in the 5% plus range so that at the very least you keep up with that inflation. We see this also in long-term care. You know, you can buy long-term care insurance Mm. and it's 30 years out that you may need this, but they have inflation riders that you can buy on those types of policies specifically for that because $200 a day for a facility like that now is going to be very different than it would be 30 years from now. It inflates like anything else. That's a big mistake I see people make when they buy long-term care is they go for the cheaper cost. Yeah. But the cheaper cost usually is a lot cheaper now because it doesn't have that inflation rider on it. I would rather leave, Danielle, the price the same as I more and more on a fixed income during my life pay a little bit more now, but then as inflation goes up, my my premium hopefully doesn't go up. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely a smarter strategy because you've got to know that rider is so important. Otherwise, you've got a policy that's going to cover, you know, 30 or 40% maybe of what you intended it to. And, you know, this idea of longevity, I know what a lot of people uh, might be thinking is, well, you know what, my parents died and, you know, grandparents died maybe in their 60s. That's my my grandparents did. Uh, uh, My parents are alive. They're in their late 70s. Uh, you take a look at beyond that, okay, then I might live into my 80s. Boy, not the case. This woman named Gail Sheehy, who's done a lot of work in this area, says that if you were born, I believe I'm getting the statistic right, born in the year 2000, you have a one in three chance to living to 2130, to be 130 years old. Holy That's cow. A, that, I mean, modern medicine is is making us live a good, good long time. Yeah, I'd like to opt out on the 130. I'm just, <laughs> I really don't want to go that distance. But I do see exactly why that's happening because just in the last 50 years, the medical technology and advances are making us live longer and people are continually under saving for retirement because of it. I have also seen one thing we see with our clients is, you know, none of my relatives are long lived. They all drop dead in their 60s or 70s. They have this idea that based on other members in their family, that they are not going to live past a certain age. And then we routinely see them live beyond that age. So although genetics play a factor, you have to have some planning in your, something in your financial plan 
for the what if. So if you are the one that lives to 85 or 90 or 95, you don't want to find yourself destitute in the last 10 years of your life. Biggest problem I see CFPs talking about that the the bigger media is not talking about and we're not hearing, you know, retail quote investors like our our friends hanging out with us here not talking about hardly at all is this idea of longevity. It's it's the biggest problem I see CFPs talking about all the time. We do this live in front of a Facebook audience, by the way, if you want to hang out with us while we're making the show, head to facebook.com forward slash Benjamins. Gregory Danielle has a takeaway for us and he says, basically his takeaway is he should buy futures options on Disney tickets. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's a pretty good thought, Gregory. I'm going to get on that myself. Not a bad idea. Perfect way. He also said that they're planning a trip to Disney World this month. And he said, did you know you have to book reservations at Be Our Guest? Uh, six months in advance. You know what I've found? There are people, by the way, Gregory, who know all about Disney, the crazy Disney fan club people, and all the great restaurants uh, at Disney, and there's a bunch of them. They know that the second, the second that they're able to book a reservation, they do it. So even if you're three days late, there's a good chance you won't get into your favorite restaurant. Isn't that crazy? I think that's partly, by the way, Danielle, and we don't need to get off into Disney yet, but I think that's why they keep jacking up rates so quickly now is partly crowd control. Listen, if you can get it, get it. Yeah, supply and demand. The the park can only hold so many people at one time. So if the demand is there and considering the price of the tickets and taking a family of four or five people, what that would cost if they've got that kind of waiting line, good for them. They're doing something right. Great question from uh, Teresa, who's hanging out with us. We're doing a watch party over on the Boomer Benefits page, uh, thanks to Danielle. And uh, Teresa asks, she says she has $44,000 in a savings account online. It's earning 2.15% interest. Where can I put it to earn much more without retirement? By the way, a good point here, Danielle. That's a great interest rate for a savings account, yet it doesn't keep up with inflation. That's right. And we see so much interest in these savings accounts. And uh, I have, Teresa, account like that myself, where I have my emergency fund expenses in a two per two point something percent Capital One account, I think. And it's tempting when you have a little bit of money that you could be investing in something. And we keep hearing about, you know, markets due for a reception, a recession soon. You want to leave some of that money in your 2%. But it's important to have some other things in there as well. So what would you suggest for her, Joe, like some other places where she could put that money to earn a little more? Well, here's what I like. I love this question, but uh, I love Stephen Covey, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. And he talks about beginning with the end in mind. So I like thinking about, Teresa, when do I need that money? So money for short-term mm-hmm. expenses the next few years, I want to leave in that savings account. So if you're spending that money over the next several months, I don't want to be at all more aggressive with it. I get that we're losing some money to inflation, but I also don't want the market to go down in anything that's variable and you end up having a lot less money. But if there's any money there that's for 10 years or longer, I think Danielle hit the nail on the head using a passive index fund that either buys like the S&P 500, where you're buying the 500 biggest companies in America, or if you look at uh, uh, the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index and a lot of other fund companies have those, you're now buying a couple thousand companies of all different sizes. And the chance that they're all going to go out of business, not good. Uh, So I really like that. It diversifies it. You're basing it on the economy, which if the economy, Danielle, is going to continue, we have to have stocks increase in value. I mean, it's not magic. 
if if stocks don't continually go up over time, they won't keep up with inflation, and then these companies will die. And all that the stock is over long periods of time is a reflection of that company's health. Yeah, and I I think I do understand where you come from when you want to put your money somewhere safe, especially in your in a fixed income situation. I have the same ability to pick stocks as my dog. <laughs> I'm not good at learning all those kind of things. My brother's excellent at it. And he might give me a tip now and then, and I'll put some a little bit of money in. But I plan, tend to play it safe and invest in a lot of those index funds, um, money into things also like a Roth IRA so that I have money down the line coming out of something like that that isn't going to be taxed later on. So if you sprinkle some of that out into different types of investments, you're also going to hedge a little bit of that bet. You don't have to worry so much about one stock tanking and taking your whole, whole portfolio down with it. Randy also is hanging out with us over on the Boomer Benefits page and says, is the inflation going to cause me to lose my retirement? This is what, this is what, uh, you know, uh, people really get afraid of, you know, we start talking like this, Danielle, about uh, is this inflation talk going to make me lose all my money? Yeah. And especially for people that are living on social security or don't have a lot more, you know, that cost of living increase I hear from my clients every year, it's not enough. You know, my bread is more expensive. My fuel is more expensive. You know, I don't have enough money to keep up. So I don't think, Randy, that you're going to lose your retirement, but you just have to know that that dollar may not go as far as you think it will. So it's important to have money in a number of different places and not just coming from one source that may not always be doing as much for you as another. They call retirement, Randy, a three-legged stool. You have the Social Security benefits that Danielle's talking about now. You might have a pension that also uh, won't cause you to lose your retirement, although it it may be similar, Danielle, where it might have a cost of living adjustment. It might not. So it might be worth less and less depending on what inflation means for that. But increasingly, people don't have pensions. And if they don't, that means you've got a two-legged stool, which means that you really have to be careful. The same thing we talked about with Teresa, you have to think about when do I need this dollar and then look at the investments that historically over that period of time had done really well and uh, focus on just that type of investment. So over the short term, that's going to be a savings account, a CD, that type of thing. Maybe five to seven, eight years, that might be bond funds. Uh, very low risk utilities. When you go 10 years and longer, those index funds are a nice place to start when you're looking at uh, good places to, to, to save your retirement dollars. Yeah, I think all of those are great suggestions. That's the first one. Uh, what's your takeaway? Wow. So my first takeaway was like, man, I'm not going to Disney World anytime soon. <laughs> that was expensive to go out there. But I have to just say that um, you have to weigh the risk, not risk, the cost versus the reward. So for you, knowing that the inflation on Disney tickets has gone up a lot, if you were planning on visiting there somewhere in the future, take a look at what the tickets are now, know that it's going to cost more later, and then decide if that's something that you can work into your entertainment budget or your bucket list. And if it isn't quite going to be affordable for you, then maybe you can find something a little closer to home. There's other amusement parks and entertainments that you can do that might not have a ticket price quite so high. It's funny, ever since I moved uh, back from um, back from Texas to Michigan in January, we've been hitting all these places. I lived here for my whole life until a decade ago when we spent 10 years in Texas. And we're finally going to all those places we didn't go when we were here before. Because being a guy that lived somewhere else, 
now I have all this stuff in my backyard and it's so cool to discover it. And I think that's a lot of people, they don't take advantage of the stuff in their backyard. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. My takeaway is this, inflation and value. If I'm a creator, the question is, how can I be like Disney and raise prices on the stuff that I sell? We should always be looking to charge more if possible by delivering better value. We didn't spend a lot of time on that, but I do like that takeaway if you're a creator. On the other side, inflation, you know, safety all depends on when you need the dollar. It's not safe to have money in a savings account you need 15 years ago because inflation is going to eat it. If it's 15 years from now, stocks and real estate historically have been very safe places to be. It's obviously the opposite. If you've got a one-year goal and you've got money in stocks, it's better, Danielle, to take the money down to the casino and put it on the roulette wheel. Far more fun. <laughs> far, far, far more yeah, fun. you'd have a better time doing it. All right. You've, you picked our second headline. Why did you pick this one? Well, um, for one, I'm in the Medicare market, so this one caught my eye right away. But I also am a big proponent of HSAs. I have them myself. I've, my former employer had one back in the 90s when these nobody even knew about HSA accounts. So I follow the news on them pretty closely. And so this one comes to us from uh, Sarah O'Brien over at CNBC. I actually know Sarah. I've um, read quite a few of her things that's, and answered some cool. questions on Medicare over the years. So when I saw this one come out, I was really glad to see that they this was making news. So the title is, Bill to Improve Health Savings Accounts for Medicare Users Comes with a Big Downside. And it says, a new bill in Congress aims to give older Americans a tax break for setting aside money for medical expenses, a strategy many give up when they reach age 65. There would be a trade-off, however, called the Health Savings for Seniors Act and introduced by Reps Amy Barra from California and jo Jason Smith, uh, Missouri, is that, or Montana? That is, that's Missouri, yeah. Missouri. The bill would allow Medicare beneficiaries to contribute money to health savings accounts or HSAs. Under current law, once a person signs up for Medicare, your eligibility is at 65, they must stop putting money into those tax-advantaged accounts. At the same time, though, the bill explicitly removes the ability to use HSA withdrawals to pay for Medicare premiums, something that's currently allowed. It would also eliminate penalty-free withdrawals for non-medical expenses in the 65 and older crowd as now permitted, according to people familiar with the bill. Mm -hmm. With a growing number of workers using HSAs, more people are likely to reach 65, the point at which you become eligible for Medicare, with an HSA in tow. Allowing seniors the choice to have a health savings account will help them pay for out-of-pocket costs that Medicare doesn't cover, like dental vision and hearing expenses, and allows them to do so with pre-tax dollars, said Kevin McKinney, Executive Director of the American Bankers Association Health Savings Account. And these accounts come with a triple tax benefit. Contributions are tax deductible, earnings are tax-free, and withdrawals also are untaxed as long as they are to cover qualified medical expenses. You what? can only contribute to an HSA if you have a so-called high-deductible health care plan. So the things that concern me about this bill is not just for people who are 65 too. I think that we can, you know, take a look at people that are right now younger and saving into an HSA for the future. One of that, the great advantages to that HSA right now, in my opinion, is that if you did save up a bunch of money in it and then you got to 65 and you didn't really need that much, that you could take that money back out and pay just the ordinary income tax without a penalty. And so although we've been waiting for this bill to let people enroll in Medicare and still save into an HSA if they're still working for an employer, they're sort of taking away one of the 
the bigger reasons why NHSA has been so awesome up until now. What do you think, Joe? Well, yeah, you see uh, people, especially in this uh, FIRE movement, the Financial Independence Retire Early movement, that are using that specific loophole, right, to put as much money as possible into an HSA because once you get yeah. to 65, it's wide open, baby. I can use it for whatever I want. That's that's so cool. <laughs> but uh, but if you take that away and all of a sudden the rules are changed, now, it, don't get me wrong, it still is a, uh, it still helps with health benefits, but n- not Medicare. Like, not, yeah. why do you, not, why do you take away Medicare, by the way? Do you think that's to pay for the ability to let, I mean, is that fiscal responsibility? I'm, I'm saying Congress and fiscal responsibility in the same sentence, but is that yeah. what you think they're trying to do? Is they're trying to mitigate this? Okay. We're giving seniors the ability to put it in. So we have to take away something where we earn it back by taxing uh, this money instead. You think that's, that's how they're doing it? That was exactly my impression. It was there's a give and take here with this bill. One of the things that has been such a problem about this this particular thing that Congress is trying to fix is sort of what we were saying earlier. People are living longer. Well, they're also working longer. They work well into their 70s and even 80s. So we have clients coming to us all the time somewhere in their 70s. They're 10 years past their Medicare enrollment date, and they have not enrolled in any part of Medicare because they wanted to continue continue contributing into their HSA account. And, you know, that's really not fair because other people, if they don't have an HSA account, they don't have a high deductible health insurance plan, they can enroll in Part A of Medicare and it coordinates with their group health and benefits. And you think Medicare would be happy about this, right? Because the longer they stay on that employer group insurance with that being the primary coverage, this is going to cut down on what the federal government is spending out of the Medicare trust fund on, on health benefits. And so this particular thing about not being able to have your part A at the same time that you and contributing into an HSA account while you're over 65, it's been up to federal court a couple of different times now. So finally, we have a bill here that looks like it's going to fix it. And then they take away some of the best things that are you know part of that. So I don't think it was the pretty good move at all. The tough thing for me on this uh, and getting away from just the legislation in general is, is just this whole topic of HSAs. There's still so many people, Danielle, that don't even understand how helpful an HSA can be. Can you just walk through the basics of an HSA for people that need a little bit of one-on-one here and what we're really talking about? Sure. So a lot of employers these days will offer you choices on your health insurance. And a very popular option is to provide you a high deductible health plan. So in these plans, instead of having a copay at the doctor and a copay for prescriptions, it's more of a catastrophic style plan where you pay out of pocket up until you hit the deductible. And then after that deductible, your coinsurance kicks in. So you, instead of maybe paying $20 for a doctor visit, you might spend 80 or $90. But the flip side is it allows you to open up a health savings account in which you can contribute money tax-free. It's a top of the line write-off when you file your taxes at the end of the year. You can deduct that money out of your income and you don't ever pay tax on it. Then it grows. It can compound with interest. You can even invest some of it if you get a large amount of money in there and you want to use it to invest some of those funds, you can. And the big thing is that whenever you spend money from that account on anything that's a qualified medical expense, you don't have to pay any tax on that money. So it went in tax-free, it's going to go out tax-free and use it for medical expenses, co-pays, deductibles, co-insurance, even dental vision and hearing expenses. So 
it's good for employers because when they're offering you a plan that has a high deductible and not a lot of the cushy benefits in the beginning, the insurance company is selling that plan to the employer for less money. It costs the employer less. Therefore, hopefully they have more money to go around on other benefits they may give you. And it's a win for you if you're going to open up that HSA account and contribute money into it that grows over time. And then someday you might have a nice nest egg of money sitting there that you can use for medical expenses and retirement. I think it's also fantastic overall. I remember when, um, when HMOs were first introduced and we heard that they were going to be a lot of preventative maintenance stuff. And really what that's denigrated <laughs> to, to becoming is really just a low cost option with a lot of, a lot of uh, hoops you have to jump through to get some basic care. That's the way I see it, by the way. Uh, but I remember when it was first introduced and how it was going to be preventive maintenance. I do think that an HSA though, Danielle kind of is because I'm putting so much money into this HSA. I want to leave it there. I don't want to yeah. spend it. I want to invest it. So I might eat a little better. I might exercise a little more. I might go to the doctor a little less, hopefully not on the preventative stuff. And I like some of the rules around that where you're okay going to get your exams and things like that and not spending a ton of money out of your HSA. I really I really think this might be the the answer that they were looking for, what, 30, 40 years ago when they created the HMO. Yeah, could be because it sort of has that putting a little skin in the game, right? right? You're going to be more likely maybe not to go to the doctor for a sniffle or a sneeze if you're going to spend 90 bucks as opposed to a 10 or $20 copay. Yeah. And you also might start working out like you've told yourself over and over and over <laughs> for the last forever. Hopefully. Uh, yeah. yeah. I like that. Uh, uh, Gregory is hanging out with us as we make this live and says, I love my HSA, but I really had to nerd out and read the insurance brochure before I understood how it worked. In particular, <laughs> that the plan still covers routine physicals for free. And that's the thing. A lot of people understand that there's going to be a higher out-of-pocket, but they don't get that there's still a lot of stuff that your regular insurance gives you that's still on the table. Yeah, that's right. And this is a good point because you can also, women can go and have mammograms done. They can have their well woman exam. I think there's some vaccines maybe. So your preventive care is still going to be covered a hundred percent by the employer and I'm sorry, by the insurance company. And you don't have to worry about those things. So if you were to take advantage of that and go in for your physical and have the doctor check up and pat you on the back for your exercise, then you're falling right in line with everything the government wants you to do with these plans. It's there's there's so much going on here. I don't know when they're going to vote on this, but um, but but there's a lot more to be to, to be said. I think I, I think a big thing for me, though, here when it comes to this, and maybe this is my takeaway, is that when you build your financial plan on on loopholes and things that 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 are now there, there might be trouble down the road, Danielle, when you're dealing with yeah. these, these government entities, whether it's the HSA, the Roth IRA. If you're betting the way things are, are going to stay the same, uh, you might be in trouble later. Yeah, you could be. And the other thing, too, is that, or I guess you, for my own takeaway, I'm not crazy about this bill. And I've been quite have been a proponent of Congress fixing this problem. I feel like if you're still working and your employer provides health insurance, why you shouldn't be able to contribute in an HSA just because you added in your Medicare Part A hospital insurance to coordinate with that. I think it actually it's discouraging people from participating yeah. in what would otherwise be a great vehicle. So I'd like to see that they come up with something different or that they ixnay the part about not being able to use your Medicare premiums or the over 65 withdrawals. I, I hope that they hammer this bill a little further. You know, it's still in the house, so it may have no legs and get 
nowhere remains to be seen, but uh, I think a hammered down version where they leave some of the benefits in there for people would be better. Yeah. Maybe, maybe just a swing and a miss and they'll take a swing again in the future. Yeah. Hope so. Uh, In just a second, Danielle and I are going to share what we call our big idea for this show. And the big idea is where we take these two topics Disney and the price of Disney <laughs> tickets and health savings accounts. We're going to put them together into something that you can use for the rest of the day. Before we get to that, though, we're going to make you wait for that for just a second. I need to talk about our sponsor, Tiller, because Tiller is a sponsor of the show for a reason. I absolutely love the way that this works. This is how I manage my own money. Tiller allows you to manage your money in a spreadsheet 10 times faster. First of all, I'm not a big fan of spreadsheets because of the fact that I only have limited time. Also, where spreadsheets allow you to get very granular about all of your expenses, I really don't want that. So you might be asking yourself, why, Joe, then are you using Tiller? Sounds like everything it does, you don't like. What I really like is... I've went gone through a bunch of apps and I've looked at these apps to try to find one that fits my lifestyle. And some of them largely do 85 to 90% of my things that I want. uh, I'm able to get from them. But the cool thing about Tiller is you start off with a template and because of the fact that it's a spreadsheet, I can eliminate the pieces I don't like. I can add in things that I want. I can make it fit me specifically. And I don't have to start from zero. I start specifically with a template, and they have tons and tons of templates at Tiller. Uh, there's a monthly fee that you pay with Tiller. The reason for that is every day you hit the easy button. In fact, you don't have to hit the button. It hits on its own. And that brings in all of your transactions that you had throughout the day, brings in your investments. If you're tracking your investments using Tiller, brings in all those things that you do in your financial life from all different places. Uh, I really, really super like it. You can try it for free. If you go to TillerHQ.com, they're going to give you just one month free to try it. But if you use our link, StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Tiller, when you try it, you'll get two months free. So you can try it for 60 days instead of 30 using our link. That's, by the way, how they sponsor our show is by tracking the number of people that we sent them. So also please use it so that uh, Tiller stays a sponsor of the show. If you're going to check them out, use our link. If you're not, that's fine. But if you are, use our link, stackybedjamins.com forward slash Tiller. All right. Uh, Joe Van Voorhees is telling me easy button is trademarked by Staples. I doubt it, Joe. But <laughs> nice. But if so, come get me, Staples. No, I doubt it. Uh, all right. Danielle, we've got our big moment here. Our big idea. Do you want to go first or last? I will go first. I think I made you go first last time. So we'll play fair here. Deal. Uh, So I said, how well your retirement savings will go the distance is just sometimes out of your hands. So, you know, there's a lot of things that can affect the landscape. And the further out that you are from retirement, the more you have to take that into consideration. We can see the kind of inflation that's affecting prices for things like Disney World and many other things that you're going to use more routinely in your life. But you also don't know when Congress is going to swipe a pen and just take away some of the best features of something that you're using now, whether you're investing in mutual funds and you're looking at capital gains and that could be affected by taxes. Well, in this situation, you might have been putting all this money into an HSA, saving up for being able to pay for your Medicare premium someday when you finally retire, which makes you a very responsible citizen. And you could do all that and Congress changes everything tomorrow. So, 
good idea to have money spread out among different things and uh, always saving more than you think you might need so that it can go the distance and, and you know, weather the storm of Congress and inflation. Congress <laughs> and inflation. I don't know which one's Two worse. Evils. Yeah, that's right. Which which one is worse? Uh, uh, mine is is very similar. Um, back when I was a kid, there was this young hockey player who scored a ton of goals named Wayne Gretzky. Not sure if if in, in Texas, do you guys even know hockey, Daniel? <laughs> well, a little bit, but yeah, my husband's Canadian, so I'm all over it. <laughs> Gotta have Wayne Gretzky. That's right. <laughs> Uh, but he was asked how he scored so many goals, and maybe people watching or listening have heard this before. He said that he didn't skate to where the puck was. He skated to where it was going to be. And while hockey isn't life, that phrase is a big idea that we can use in nearly every facet of life. Skating to how things are now means you're always going to be behind because life is always in motion. There's a few things that are constant in life, but change is definitely the big one. Investing in things the way they are now, using loopholes the way they are now, isn't nearly as effective as planning for the future and the fact that it's going to be different. And that's why, Danielle, I think we call it planning and not getting a plan. Uh, Getting a first plan is fantastic, but then every six months, every year, seeing how the milestones uh, have changed and how life has changed is a great idea. Yeah, so important and well said. And thanks, Wayne. What a great quote. It did, demonstrates it, that nicely. He does. <laughs> I, did, I don't know how I even thought about that when but thinking about Wayne Gretzky. Uh, maybe it's because your husband's Canadian. Maybe that's why. Maybe so. See, we were talking about that that's and right. now you've got Wayne on your mind. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for today. Uh, by the way, Danielle, where can everybody find you? You can find us easily online, any social media, Boomer Benefits, or our website is boomerbenefits.com. And you guys handle everything Boomer Benefits-wise. Anything related to Medicare, planning for the cost of healthcare and retirement, we have lots of great information over there for you. All right, guys. And we'll have a link on our show notes page at moneywithfriendspodcast.com. Thanks to Danielle for hanging out with us. And thanks to all of you. We'll see you again next time back here at Money With Friends. This show is created and hosted by Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Our engineer is the amazing Steve Stewart. And for a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with a real episode of Money with Friends.